You know, every priest, deacon, and many religious sisters make a promise to pray or chant the Liturgy of the Hours. Many others join in as well. It's the official prayer of the church. It includes the office of readings, morning prayer, noonday prayer, evening prayer, and night prayer. Essentially, the essentially point is that we keep the hours of the day holy. They're beautiful, beautiful times to stop in the middle of the day and ponder our salvation in Jesus Christ. Each hour consists of psalms and canticles and readings from sacred scripture. Morning prayer begins with this recitation of Psalm 95. It's called the Invitatory Psalm. It's a psalm of joy and call to action. It begins, come let us sing to the Lord and shout with joy to the rock who saves us. Let us approach him with praise and thanksgiving and sing joyful songs to the Lord. Interestingly, in some monasteries, the day begins with the ringing of the bell, and there's no such thing as a snooze alarm in a monastery, which is one of the many reasons why I'm not a monk, but postulants and novices are instructed to spring out of bed, ready for the Lord's will and for his return. That sense of readiness is the theme of this weekend's readings. Jesus' parable of the talents urges us to be ready for the master's return. Jesus, of course, is the master who went on a journey when he ascended into heaven. And after a period of time, he will return, either at the moment of our death or at his second coming. And whenever he comes again, we will stand before him with the talents that he has given us and be ready to account for their use. The talents were not distributed to each servant equally in the parable. One received five talents, one received two, and one received just one talent. Jesus said that they were distributed to each according to their ability. So each servant received just the right number of talents to give God glory, to match his ability. Not too many in order that the talents would go to waste, and not too few so that the servants isn't frustrated with his untapped abilities. And as we heard, the first two servants produce a different number of talents, but the master says the exact same thing to each of them. That is the one that produced five talents and the one who produced two. That is, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you were faithful in small matters, I will give you greater responsibilities. Come, share the master's joy. There's not even one word that is different in the response of the master to the servants. Each, though, who had produced three talents, each one had produced three more talents than the other. Why? Because they had been equally diligent according to their ability. Put another way, the reward they receive is the same because they have been equally conscientious with those talents. And sadly, the third servant was wicked and lazy and did nothing and suffers the consequences. He's thrown out. Interestingly, it wasn't that he was terribly immoral. No, his sins were that what we call sins of omission rather than the sins of commission. In other words, it's what he should have done and did not that was his sin. 
He received a talent according to his ability, and presumably then the master expected him to make one, at least one talent in return. But he wasn't diligent, he was lazy, and he had no progress to show on his master's return. So in other words, he is the complete opposite, say, of the woman that we hear about, the worthy wife in the first reading, the wife whose value is beyond pearls, the scriptures tell us. She is like the first two servants in the, in the parable, good and faithful. The reading gives a list of her good works, but we heard today was only one small excerpt of a much larger passage listing even more of her good works. She's a good woman. And like a servant who received the ten talents and made ten more. Again, it's her diligence according to her ability that caused the, the church to connect the first reading and the parable of the talents today. So now, for us, is the time to produce. The Lord doesn't give us a blueprint for every hour of our day, just as the servants in the parable were not told what to do with those talents. But Jesus expects diligence in using the gifts that we have received. It's up to us to figure out what is best and how to use them. We're not expected to produce the same fruit as our neighbor. No need to compare ourselves to others. What we are expected to do is to produce fruit for the kingdom. God expects us to be enterprising and entrepreneurial for the kingdom of God. Particularly in 2020, we are a lot of conjecture. Many have asked me, many have asked me, is this the sign of the end times, this 2020 year? I say, don't waste your time trying to figure that out. When this Jesus comes a second time, he will come, as we heard in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians in our second reading. But not knowing when Jesus come, will come again is not an excuse to do nothing, as St. Paul reminds the Thessalonians and us when he writes, let us not sleep as the rest do, but let us stay alert and sober. So really, far from being in fear and in dread, this is an exciting time as long as, as it is in the Lord. That God has given us talents and he trusts us to use them well. Through this parable, Jesus also wants us to know that we have, we have received from God an abundance. A talent was a unit of weight, but it was also currency, and its value was 6,000 days wages. That's like 20 years of wages. Clearly, the master is entrusting the servants with a huge sum of money. What God gives us is equally huge in the life of the church. We have received so much that we so often take it for granted. The third servant buried his treasure because he missed the mark about who God is. He kind of describes God as a taskmaster. Listening his description to God, you would think that God was like the Pharaoh commanding bricks to be made with no supplies in the book of Exodus. God is a stranger to him, and so he is afraid of him. Pope Benedict once said that this happens when after receiving baptism, Eucharist, confirmation, people bury these gifts under a blanket of prejudice and fear of a false image of God 
that paralyzes them. And we hear over and over and over again in the sacred scripture that we should not be afraid. And now is an acceptable time. Now is an important time. So let us all be diligent using God's gifts that we have received. And if God forbid we have buried a talent, now is the time to dig it up so that at the end of our lives we have the privilege of hearing from our Savior Jesus Christ, well done, good and faithful servant. Come, share the master's joy.